This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hollywood X-Growth and today I'm talking to Georgia Swanson, Global Director of Strategy and Growth for Next at NCS Group, about building a go-to-market strategy using customer insights. Now, customer insights, a lot of people throw it around as a term, but I'm really, really excited to talk to Georgia about how she goes about and get that information from customers to then incorporate it into her go-to-market strategy. On that note, let's dive in. Georgia, thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. So as, like, as I was saying in, in the intro, a lot of people say, you know, it's really important to be customer focused. It's very important to capture the voice of the customer. All right. That's, uh, that, that gets thrown around quite a lot. But in my experience and, you know, the work that we even do at the agency, that doesn't get executed as often as it should. Mm. And, uh, and, and sometimes people are not completely sure how to go about it. So my first question to you is, how do you, how do you capture that information? So how do you go about you know, capturing customer insights? Does it start with interviewing? Does it start with like desk research? How, where, do you, where do you start with that? Yeah, great question. I think the way in which I approach gathering customer insights, there's a couple of different components to it. The first and most important component is absolutely just starting with interviewing them, getting in front of customers and speaking to them first and foremost. So for me, the bulk of what I do is one-on-one interviews. I will try to reach as many customers that I can on a quarterly basis. The most that I've been able to achieve are 30 one-on-one interviews uh, for an hour each with a target customer each quarter. And that has been so critical to really understanding our own customers and most importantly, their persona and the customer persona that we create off the back of these interviews essentially informs our entire go-to-market strategy. So starting with the customer interviews, I'll choose customers that love us, customers that we haven't touched base with for a period of time, and also customers that potentially there's been some challenges because I want it to be a really great representation of our entire customer base. I also do a lot of market research. So I recognize that 
our current customers might not also be our ideal customers, which I think is a really interesting point. So the one-on-one interviews really frame up who do we have within our customer base? Obviously, the ones that we have really great relationships with are always ideal customers that we might want to replicate. But I'm also conscious that there might be new customer opportunities out in market that are untapped for us that we want to leverage as well. So the market research really accompanies the one-on-one customer interviews and the personas that are built through that approach. And I'll create an aggregate three personas at a business level. Usually two of those have come from the in-depth customer interviews that I've conducted. And the third one typically is a little bit of a mix of we recognize that this customer does exist within our portfolio, but there are a couple of tweaks or nuances where there's someone new out there that we're not currently talking to that maybe has a particular problem or pain point or goal that we think we have a really great opportunity to solve for that we're not currently working with. So that third one is a little bit more net new ambitious as opposed to someone that we have existing as well. Do you ever have the challenge of reaching out to these customers? I I feel like this, this comes up quite often with marketers where Sales is like, don't you touch my customer? Don't you don't you go in there and muddy the waters? Um, is that something that you've ever faced from the sales side? Oh, of course, all the time. I think that the approach that I take is I think first and foremost, just being really engaged with the sales team around what we're trying to achieve with these personas. Often it is just a informal one-on-one conversation with them. It doesn't actually lead to anything. I'm not trying to sell them anything. There's nothing that may may come out of that interview at all. And I think that that's really important to set that expectation up front. However, there's a lot of value that I can actually add back into the sales team by conducting these interviews. I think first and foremost, it really helps them understand the relationship that we have with the customer, their perception of us, if there's anything that we can do differently or improve upon at a point in which we've got plenty of time to make some changes and make sure that that customer experience is as good as it possibly can be. That's something that's really important to the sales team and often sales teams are relentlessly busy. So I definitely have an opportunity to take some of that load off their hands by engaging with the customers directly and then reporting back to them on some of the findings there too. I think the added bonuses is that the sales team love the customer persona work that comes out of these interviews. And there's so much value that comes out of really understanding not just who these customers are, but also how they're consuming content. I think that changes really frequently. Um, what their values are and values from a customer persona perspective might be very different to their business objectives. So, for example, they might really be keen on improving their own reputation within their business or even with the market. And that's something that I could actually help with as well through things like nominating them for an award for a piece of work that we've done, which is a recent example of something that we've done over the past six months. And there's other opportunities for us as an organization and for me individually to add value to that customer and to the relationship that we have with them through these interview processes too. Very interesting. 
Before we start recording, you talked about the fact that you've changed a little bit how you go about creating personas and uh, the, the move to a more account-centric persona um, mm. structure. Can you talk a little bit about like how you've changed, the, the, the way that you create these personas, how it's changed and what it looks like today? Yeah, so the process has definitely changed from just focusing on the individual personas, which was probably, I would say, a couple of years ago, now to looking at the account level persona. And I think one of the key insights behind that is that the account teams or the buying teams have changed so significantly, even over the past year especially. And so we know that buying teams are getting larger, they're getting bigger. We know that the number of people that are responsible for making a decision within an organization has increased from five to seven plus in some instances. And so by really just understanding and talking to one individual persona, we're actually not achieving the outcome that we want to achieve. That persona might be an influencer, but they're not really going to be responsible for swaying the overall decision of that group. And so our focus is still wanting to understand the individuals that are part of that team. And so the different roles that exist within that group, such as the influencer, the decision maker, the researcher as well, which is really important and creating content that talks to each of those different personas. But ultimately, we want to understand what are the decisions that that account is making as a whole? And so the account-based persona is often very far departed from the individual needs and wants. The individual needs and wants are often around how does this make me look good as well as how is it yeah, going to achieve that? how do I not get fired? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. That's and I think right. what's really interesting actually is that from an individual persona point of view, they often don't want to make the decision that's necessarily what they think is the best thing for the business. It's actually more about what is the path of um, least resistance that I'm going to get? Whereas um, from an account-based perspective, if you're talking to that group, they're much more open to this is the best thing for you, uh, even if it is outside of the box or outside of the scope of what you were originally looking at. I think that the power of approaching that as a group means that there's um, less of a risk potentially that individuals feel for their own you know, personal brand and reputation in, in having to make that decision as an individual, which is interesting. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Is there a format that you run these interviews yeah, somewhat. Um, I do like to keep them really informal and casual. And what I mean by that is I will ask permission from the customer to record and transcribe that interview so that I'm not having to sit there with a, a pen and paper and it, it can feel like somewhat of a, a casual coffee catch up in some instances, which is the environment that I like to establish in, in order to run these effectively. But the format itself is there's 15 questions that I ask. Those questions are really broken into three key categories. So the first one is really around understanding the joint value. And so what I mean by that is the customer's perception of us and our perception of how valuable they are to us as well. And so that could be things like the relationship with us so far, has it been a five-year relationship or is it a five-month relationship? Um, and what type of work have we done with them today? What is their other NPS score or their level of satisfaction with us, for example? 
The second um, set of questions, set of five questions is all around business objectives. So what are they wanting to achieve? What are their priorities? What problems do they have? What are their goals? What are their biggest challenges? Have those challenges changed? Um, Those subset of questions also inform somewhat of a market research touch point for me as well, because whilst I'll incorporate those into the persona, it's a really great snapshot to be able to report back to the business to say, here's what is most relevant or here are what our customers are prioritizing over the course of the next three months. And, And that does obviously change very frequently as well. And the last subset of five questions is around the persona themselves. So what are the values that that persona has? but also how and where do they go to consume content. So that essentially informs the channel plan from a go-to-market perspective. So we know that some customers like CIOs love networking and they're often at the Forrester and the the Gartner events and roundtables as an example. They often trust their peers over their own uh, digital research online. So really understanding some of the nuances from a a role um, point of view around how they research, how they consume content, the types of content that they consume is really critical for us to create a a targeting strategy and and go-to-market plan in order to reach them with the right message at the right point in time. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Let's talk about, let's, let's take one step, go from one step further. How do you then take this information and infuse it and incorporate it in your go-to-market strategy? How does that process look like? Oh, uh, look, there's so many different ways to incorporate it. I, I think I can't stress enough the wealth of great insight that comes out of these sessions. The first one is the persona view is one of the, the key outcomes. And so I, I mentioned, I think that I create an aggregate view of what those look like. So there'll be three at a high level. I get them really funky names as well. In innovation is, is an example. No one can possibly forget them. And then I will start to add a lens of what is our market opportunity with this particular customer? So tying it back to business objectives and business relevance is really important. So if we, for example, um, have done a lot of data work typically with that type of persona, what does that represent in terms of our market opportunity? How much weight should we put behind trying to talk to this customer persona over that customer persona? I'll also then create things like a messaging matrix. So a lot of the clear outcomes that come out of the persona views are what their problems are, what their needs are, what their goals are. And so the next layer down is, well, what are our solutions and products that can help solve those problems or can help achieve those goals? And what's the value proposition specifically that we offer for that customer? That is twofold. That is, well, what should we sell them and and how can we make sure that we have a really great enablement process around those products and solutions, but also that value proposition actually becomes how we message to them as well. So that becomes the blog post articles that we create, the white paper content, the language that we use, the tone of voice that we use. And then lastly, the execution strategy, as I like to call it, or the content plan is, well, if 80% of our focus should be on this customer persona because we know that there's a huge opportunity for 
data in the market and we've done a lot of great data work with this customer and have some great case studies and we're really confident in the value that we can add around data, then we need to make sure that we're investing the most in marketing strategies to try to target that customer specifically with the language that we know that resonates with them, which is all of that value proposition-led messaging through the channels that they know that we know that they consume and that they engage with, which could be the roundtable or events, or it could be podcasts, or it could be white paper content, because that's their their preference in terms of the content types. And all of those insights really do come from that um, persona view and, and the customer interviews themselves. Interesting. Interesting. How do you make sure that that you know the value proposition that you're building resonates with the bigger organization so there's they it it, i don't want to say it keeps the brand in mind but but you know there were there were sometimes that uh, marketers would go and and build this out and then maybe the brand team would come and say no no no, that's off brand we don't want to say that is that has that been a problem um at all or or you or you have the ability to work autonomously and create these I think it's really important to make sure that it's aligned to to brand and tone of voice always, but also that it's aligned to the, the business objectives. And I think one of the key points around your current customer not being your ideal customer or, or potentially there, there being some misalignment there is is really important to factor in because I think starting with the objectives of the business first is really going to determine if if there's a number of different types of customers that you're doing different pieces of work for or there's new customers out in market that you're not currently talking to that you could sell a, a product or solution or service that is potentially underutilized or, or undersold currently. I think that that needs to be definitely the starting point in determining which customer personas either new within the market or existing that we really want to try to replicate and find again and and um, target in our strategies will ultimately then determine which of those we create content for and and what I mean by that is it's really easy to get bogged down in customer personas I think one of the mistakes that I've made in the past is just trying to create too many because there are so many different types of customers and nuances and you can try to sell everything to everyone and just end up failing flat and so the way to prioritize those customers is to align it to business objective once you've determined the three priorities and and three is seems to be a good number from the tests that I've run so far and from repeating this process the messaging framework that we come up with is always an indication of value it in some cases is really just a, a starting point. And what I will often do is just dot point some of the key sort of value proposition statements. And then with the collaboration with either the sales team in some instances to bring them along on the journey, or it could be an agency that we might be working with, we'll then use those key dot points to start to build out in-depth messaging matrices or in-depth 
email drafts as well, or it could be sales battle card templates. And all of those are going to be aligned to the brand's tone of voice. But also it gives us some really great collateral that we can plug and play into some of our targeting strategies as well. So whether it's across social, whether it's across email, whether it's even representation on the website, the consistency in that is really important. And just making sure as well that that from a value proposition point of view is telling a consistent story and we're not executing three very disjointed messages across the personas as well. Got it. Got it. Got it. That's that's really interesting, Georgia. And there, there is one thing there that you touched on that I want to come back to and drill a little bit deeper. And you talked about one of the mistakes that you made early on was creating a lot of personas, mm. creating, going too deep into the rabbit hole. And sometimes one can get bucked down there. Uh, definitely, definitely seeing that. What are some of the other mistakes in, in this process of capturing customer insights, getting, you know, getting those interviews done, incorporating those into the, the value proposition of the organization? What are some of the other challenges or mistakes that, uh, that you've, you've personally have made? Lots of mistakes and, and challenges is how, how you learn, Let's really. Let's dive into that. <laughs> Let's dive into um, I think trying to do everything I, I touched on is is definitely one that I'd have on the top of the list there. I think prioritization is key, not even just as it relates to prioritizing customer personas, but also as it relates to prioritizing what you do with your time. I think from a marketing perspective, in particular, there's so many requests for T-shirts and there's so many requests for um, making PowerPoint slides look pretty. And so having to be really ruthless and brutal with what we spend our time on is one of the biggest learnings that that I've um, had in, in my career. I think the second would be uh, accurate. And by accurate, I, I mean real-time reporting with the customer personas, with our channel plans. I like to think of marketing as a, as a game of Tetris, really. It's, it's an algorithm, so you can solve it. It's, it's Creativity absolutely plays a big part, but um, the strategy behind it is, is something that you can plan for to be 100% effective um, and to achieve 100% of your, your business objectives. Without a doubt, I strongly believe that. But there are a number of different critical points to making sure that that happens. And the first is real-time reporting. So monthly reporting is way too late to be able to do anything about it. So whether it's good or bad. So being able to pivot or scale is really important in order to achieve the plan. Planning is key. So preparation in terms of not just quarterly plans, but yearly plans. And in some cases, two or three yearly plans are, are important in understanding that long-term objective and, and making quarterly changes as you go along. And a big part of that, which is I think the third key point, is the ability to fail fast or to prove early. So experimentation is key. You can plan for your entire year's worth of marketing initiatives and campaigns, but you're expecting each of those to achieve an outcome. And that outcome is going to be clicks, calls, and traffics, and lead will come out of that, and those leads will ideally convert, and you'll have assumptions, and that's sort of the algorithm that I touched on. You'll have assumptions for how all those things are going to perform. And if all of those things do perform, you will achieve your objective. Now, there's a way to make sure that all of those things will perform to a degree, and, and the way to do that is to test before you scale. And so if you have a target customer 
that you're wanting to create a campaign for. You've got um, the value proposition messaging that you've worked through. You know what you're selling them. You know the outcome that you're wanting to drive from that. Test it first because often it's either the messaging that's not quite right or it could be your targeting that's not quite right or it could even be what you're trying to sell to them that's not quite right. But all of those things you have the ability to test beforehand and and to make changes before you press go on scaling and ramping up that campaign or ramping up that initiative to be successful. So they are all very much within your control to a, to a point. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions, but before we go there, Is there anything else that maybe I haven't touched on regarding building a customer-centric GTM plan that you think we should talk about? I think it's really easy to, it's probably more of a principal point of view that I think is just a really important point to make. It's really easy to talk about being customer first. And I, I see a lot of organizations try to champion that, but often it's something that's spoken about for a week and then forgotten about. And I think just because you've created customer personas or or just because you have created value proposition-led messaging and doesn't mean that you're a customer-first organization, I think that it, it takes a really concerted effort to lead with customer first throughout the entire organization and everything that you do. But I think the other really important point to add there is it's important to refresh that customer lens every quarter at the absolute maximum, ideally even once a month, and to continue on with the interviews and continue on with the research. And often the customer persona lens changes quite frequently. Customer needs change. People are really complex. And so to really truly be customer first and to embody a customer first approach means that you're constantly starting with customer and asking the same questions again every time you start a meeting, every time you are planning for a new campaign and you're not just assuming that what was the case six months ago is still the case today. So just repetitiveness and making sure it's always front of mind is really critical for success. Yeah, stay on top of it. Stay on top of it. Are you struggling with your campaigns? Maybe they're not performing as well as you thought they would. Well, luckily for you, the team at Xgrowth have nailed the art of account-based marketing. So if you'd like to know more about how you can hop on the ABM train, book a free consultation with the account-based marketing experts at Xgrowth to help you get started with your ABM journey today. Let's do some rapid-fire questions. Sure. First question I have is, what is one resource? This could be a book, blog, a podcast, a talk, whatever it is that has had a pretty profound impact on you either personally or professionally. I'm going to actually say a a blog post here and this is connected to a couple of different things, but there's a blog post by the Harvard Business Review. It was posted a while back now. It was on the B2B uh, hierarchy of human needs. So uh, it was it originated from Maslow's hierarchy of human needs, I think which is 1940s. And there was a B2B version of that that was created 
a, a few decades later, I believe, and that was really fundamental in understanding the customer value component of, of those interviews. And I really use that framework and that pyramid structure to create those personas. And so the general principle is that every persona has a combination of those values. And understanding the order of those is really important in in understanding how to talk to them and how to target them. That really interested me and actually not only influenced my approach, but also led to me taking up a, a psychology degree as well, because what my biggest learning from that was is I think understanding human behavior is the key to success for a, a successful marketing or, or customer strategy. That's very interesting. I'm I'm looking this up as we're talking, and uh, and it is very interesting. Very interesting. We'll definitely put a link to it and send that. Uh, put that. Put that in the show notes. So um, I'm in, I'm I'm very keen to read this. <laughs> it's great. So, yeah, you're uh, lost so in thanks, it. <laughs> thanks for pointing that out. If you could give one piece of advice to B two B marketers, what would it be? One piece of advice. It's highly likely that the problem that you're trying to solve has been solved before (laughs) and many times and with varying levels of success. So don't try to reinvent the wheel. Test and learn by all means. I think pivot and scale absolutely, but look for approaches that have been successful in the past and try to recreate those as a foundation for what you're trying to achieve. Networking is is a really great way of understanding what's been done before, forums, and just learning, listening to podcasts, reading books is a, is a great way to stay on top of those as well. Love it. Love it. Who are some of the, you know, thought leaders, influencers, people that you kind of go to or, or follow in the, in the B2B space? Anyone comes to mind? There's, there's a, so many great people. Uh, a couple that come to mind. I have been lucky enough to present at uh, a B2B marketing leaders forum in Singapore and in Australia uh, over the past year. And there's another fantastic marketer that's been there both times that I have as well, Latane um, Conant, who is the CMO of Sixth Sense. And uh, she's just a fantastic storyteller. And her approach really involves removing all of the guesswork to marketing and, and to sales as well. And it goes back to that algorithm idea that it's it's solvable. And she really champions that. The second is Stephen Bartlett. So he's an entrepreneur. He's an investor. He is best known for his approach to social media marketing. He's in a number of marketing organizations. He's also the host of one of the podcasts I love, The Diary of a CEO. And he's also recently just released a book at the same name, actually, but he blends psychology and marketing really well. So he interviews some of the best, most renowned psychologists in the world, the best, most renowned CMOs in the world. And he applies that human behavioral lens to that sales and marketing approach, which is obviously very much aligned to that customer first ethos. So really appreciate and value his work too. Love it. Love it. Is he, is he the, um, I, I, you know what, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll, I'll, I'll look him up <laughs> and, uh, and, and check that out. But, uh, that is, uh, that is another golden nugget and, uh, success CMO. She's amazing as well. Last question. What's something that excites you about B2B today? There's a huge opportunity to differentiate. Technology is ever-changing, as we know. I think today in particular, we're at that really pivotal point with the rise of AI. AI presents 
both the greatest challenge and the biggest opportunity I think that I'll most likely face in, in my career and when it comes to technology and how we harness it. So that really excites me. I love I love a challenge, but I, I also recognize that we're at a point of you either jump on board and, and you succeed or you don't and you fail. And so the first one to figure out how to do that is, is going to win in the market essentially. Love it. Love it. Georgia, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for all the great insights that you've you've shared. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Xgrowth. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.